Now more than ever, it's important to show support for your team and your community. Visa and the National Football League know that local business... Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Businesses help your community move the ball down the field. Small businesses everywhere are overcoming challenges in these new times thanks to teammates like you and Visa. Because when everyone pitches in, everyone benefits. Being loyal to local businesses ignites growth and supports all of us in our communities. Because they know that where you shop matters, Visa urges you to support local retailers who are making shopping safe and reliable. And remember, tap to pay with a contactless Visa card wherever you see the contactless symbol to help support your community. Visa, official partner of the NFL. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, lots happened since we last talked on Sunday after the game to you guys. A lot of it has been stuff that you can't script for the 49ers. I mean, the MRI truck literally broke down. They had to order an MRI truck to come out to the Greenbrier Resort in West Virginia where they're staying after the hellacious stretch of injuries that we talked about on Sunday after the win against the Jets. And that MRI truck just went kaput. It, it couldn't show up. The machine that was coming to evaluate their many injuries was injured itself. And that was on top of the fact that the 49ers plane on the way to New Jersey, right before they got onto the plane, it got into an accident on the tarmac at the San Jose airport. So there were two mechanical failures, accidents, whatever you want to call them, between the plane. That led to a six-hour delay. And then the MRI truck, which led to a several-hour delay processing all of the bad news from Sunday, which indeed was bad. The MRIs that the 49ers ultimately did get from a local hospital in West Virginia said torn ACL for Nick Bosa, torn ACL for Solomon Thomas. Better news on some other players, but in totality, Matt... 49ers had to get seven MRIs. There's a little bit of good news now that we talked to you later in the week. They've gotten Jason Verrett back at practice. George Kittle is back at practice. So some of the guys that were hurt before are starting to mend and and get better. But uh, it's going to take weeks. And in the case of Nick Bosa, it's going to take months, and Solomon Thomas too, for the 49ers to reach the level of health that they were before the disastrous week two. Yeah, I remember last year, one of the, the storylines was that, you know, the 49ers were 13-3, and three, the, the class of the NFC went to the Super Bowl, despite having bad luck throughout the year. They, they had all sorts of injuries on the offensive line, George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, etc. And uh, one of the offseason storylines was, well, you know, their luck can't be that bad this year, so they're going to have that going for them. Already, it's worse, just given the, the caliber of player. There's going to be at least one Jimmy garoppolo list game here. Nick Mullins is, is, is likely, very likely, going to start against the Giants. So they still haven't gotten that, that luck turned around yet. They're still snake bit as far as 
um, injuries and stuff like that. And, and the two positions that are in trouble right now are defensive line and running back. Both running backs aren't going to play in this upcoming game. Luckily, I guess this is lucky in a twisted way. This was uh, two of their deepest spots. So even without Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman, they've got Jarek McKinnon, who had a great week two, and, and he was uh, Kyle Shanahan's first pick to be the guy in that offense in 2018. Finally, here we are two years later, and he's going to have a chance to do that. So they do have depth, and that's basically what this team is casting its lot with now, is their tremendous depth and whether that can sustain itself throughout the, the rest of the season. Dennis, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Have you ever seen uh, something like this happen so early in a season to a team? I guess it's it's just the way it is. I mean, just what kind of happens. But it seems like the last three years, especially with the injury part, um, the 49ers have been kind of snake bitten. I mean, there was a time when, I think it was two years ago, where they fired their entire medical staff and conditioning staff to bring in someone new. And that was supposed to be the cure. It was a different, you know, I don't know, different techniques, different mentality, uh, whatever it was, but it doesn't seem like it's working right now. But football, you know, you're going to have injuries in football, but it just seems like every year the 49ers have a lot of injuries. This year we can say it's preseason, no, not the regular training camp, no, you know, mini camps during the off season, but it just really feels like every year you're kind of waiting for the injuries to start stacking. And once they hit, it's like a snowball. Once they start, it seems like it just rolls on and rolls on. And to add to the bad luck the 49ers, they have to go back to the exact same field and play this week uh, a field that took out, you know, basically two of their superstars that they're saying the field had something to do with it. Blown out two knees and Jimmy Garoppolo uh, with his ankle. So, and the other injuries that happened. So, on top of everything else that's going on, you have to return to the scene of the crime, basically, and play another football game. So, you know, bad luck has followed. I mean, you just kind of, you have to work through it. You know, the games are going to happen. You know, we talked about uh, on the radio earlier today, do you change the field? No, the NFL is not going to change where the field's going to be or where the game's going to be played. So you're back on the same field. You just have to kind of figure out moving forward what, what you're going to do, what kind of shoes you're going to wear, how are you going to prepare now that you know how you're going to prepare uh, for this field. We'll be back right after this. It really is a perfect storm and not just this week, but you could zoom out and say that it's a perfect storm because I think that this rash of injuries isn't just afflicting the 49ers. They're, you know, they were calling it Bloody Sunday in the NFL. I mean, so many big injuries across the entire league. 49ers probably bore the worst of the brunt. So what I look at it as the perfect storm that combines the fact that the 49ers have had you know, terrible injury luck and a terrible injury situation for a few years running now, combined with the fact that the whole league is suffering through this at a greater rate this year, just because the off season was so unusual. I mean, that's something that a lot of people predicted. You talked to a lot of medical people over this off season. They said, well, if these guys aren't sticking to their regular routines, if they're not coming to the team facilities, if they're not going to OTAs, if training camp is shorter, preseason is non-existent, their bodies are going to be thrown off because these are highly regulated, maintained bodies that have gone through the football grind year in, year out for you know essentially all of their lives. And then this season, it was just so different with all of the restrictions in place. And 
I think that's why we saw so many strains. And maybe now, when you combine that with the 49ers luck and then with the turf, which hadn't been broken in yet, which you know was just replaced this offseason at MetLife Stadium, well, and you get just the absolute bloodbath that we saw on Sunday for the 49ers. And I mean, now that injury table that I was talking about last week, it doesn't even fit on my screen. So uh, <laughs> the 49ers need to start mending with Verrett coming back, with George Kittle back at practice. Maybe that's happening. But Matt, they're going to be severely shorthanded. It looks like Nick Mullins is going to start a quarterback for them on Sunday. Not confirmed yet. But even if they you know, start getting some guys back at practice, Kyle Shanahan hinted, that, you know, for somebody like George Kittle, for example, it's possible that they hold him out even if he is ready on Sunday because of the turf and what it did last week. So this is going to be one of those games that they just have to cobble together with a backup quarterback and with a lot of other backups at other positions. Maybe one of the things going for them is that they were the unluckiest team on Sunday, but the second unluckiest team may have been the Giants, who lost Saquon Barkley to an ACL he was there everything on offense. That offense is, is built around the running back. So he's not there. Uh, Sterling Shepard, one of their wide receivers, suffered a, a turf toe. He's on IR. He's not going to play. So for the second week in a row, they're playing a bad team that's without some of its offensive weapons. So that, that sort of brings them closer to the, the 49ers' injury luck. And uh, like I said earlier, the 49ers' depth is, is such that even when they're without – George Kittle and Raheem Mostert and and Jimmy Garoppolo and Nick Bosa, they were still head and shoulders above the Jets. I don't think the Giants are are quite that bad. They seem to have a little something in that opener against the, the Steelers, but still a bad team. So that's sort of what the 49ers need to do for a while is, is stay afloat, win some of these winnable games until George Kittle is 100%, until Debo Samuel comes back until Jimmy Garoppolo comes back, and then they've got a fighting chance, I think, the rest of the year. Dennis, the, the question would be, you know, let, let's say that George Kittle, you know, practices, he, he was uh, a limited participant in, in the Wednesday practice. Let's say he practices all of this week and wants to play on Sunday. Uh, do you, as, as the head coach, hold the guy back knowing what you know about this this field that they're going to play on. Yeah, and we talked about this off the air a little bit. How do you stop a guy like George Kittle? If he if he thinks he wants to play and he feels like he wants to play, and I'm going to tell you as an athlete, if you think you're 100%, you're going to go do it. I mean, it's going to take a doctor or a coach to say no. We just can't risk it losing another playmaker, especially on the offensive side of the ball to stop him. So I think a guy like George Kittle, I mean, he's a beast. He's an animal. He wants to go out and he wants to play. You know, that first game at home there against the Cardinals, he was having a fantastic game until he got hurt and then he got zero targets. So he wants to be that guy. He wants to be that big play guy on offense. And especially, you know, last week when he looks at how uh, Jordan Reed, those two touchdowns, I'm sure George Kittle's like, shoot, that should have been me. (laughs) So, I mean, it's going to be tough to keep him off the field if he's ready. Now, you know, we're talking about the field. I don't know if it's the field. Maybe it's just bad luck like we talked about earlier. I don't know if it's the Giants have never said, you know, that first game against Pittsburgh, the Giants didn't say or Pittsburgh didn't say that the field felt 
any different or it was sticky. But it was, you know, it was an evening game and it wasn't a hot game and, you know, all that stuff. But I don't know if it was a feel. So I think it's going to be tough to keep a guy like George Kittle out this football game because he's got to be itching to get back in there. He sees that now this is when this team kind of needs him. Nick Mullins needs him as a security blanket. So it's going to be tough to keep a guy like him out the game. And remember the last time that George Kittle and Nick Mullins were on the same field? That was through the last eight games of the 2018 season. And George Kittle broke an NFL record for receiving yards by a tight end in a single season. So we know that he and Nick Mullins have great chemistry out on the field. And we know that Nick Mullins is a capable backup for the 49ers as well. I mean, Dennis, through your years with the 49ers from 1990 to 1996, it seemed that you guys always had a capable backup or even two capable backups. In 1991, Joe Montana was out, so Steve Young played the start of that year. But you had to go to your third stringer when Steve Young got hurt in Steve Bono, and even he performed extremely well. You guys ripped off a nice winning streak, almost got back into playoff contention despite a ton of injuries in that 1991 season. So not a direct parallel. We're still earlier here in, in this year, but the 49ers starter is out. They're having to move on to number two, and in this case, it's Nick Mullins, a guy who I, I think got ready for this challenge in 2018, back when the game's didn't matter in the standings. And, I mean, if you're one of the, the draft nuts, then you could say, well, yeah, they did matter. The 49ers lost enough so they could get Nick Bosa the following year. But as far as, you know, shooting for a playoff spot, after Jimmy Garoppolo went down in 2018, it was pretty much all a wrap for the 49ers. However, maybe some of that experience that Nick Mullins got then, Matt, he went three and five and eight starts, did some things well, some things need to be better. He threw a few too many interceptions, for example, but some of the stuff that he went through in that eight game stretch, I think Kyle Shanahan believes can really help the 49ers now when the games will actually really count because this team is still in playoff contention. I don't think there's any way to say that they aren't with how deep this roster is. Yeah, and uh, Nick Mullen's strengths seem to match up well with what the 49ers might have out there. Let's say that George Kittle doesn't play. You know, Nick Mullen does not have a great arm. He's not going to throw to the the perimeter. He's not going to launch, you know, uh, nine routes down the field. But he is good at timing stuff. He gets into a rhythm really well. He's very accurate, and he's good at the at the short and intermediate stuff over the middle, which is what this offense is now. If you look back at 2018, Kendrick Bourne did well, for example. George Kittle obviously did well uh, in those last eight games. Matt Breida caught a lot of passes. So you look at this game coming up on Sunday, and you think, okay, well, maybe Jerick McKinnon coming out of the backfield is going to have a, a big game as a receiver. Bourne and Mullins already were hooking up uh, on Sunday against the Jets, and uh, like I said, you also have Jordan Reed at, at tight end. So um, the the weaponry that's at Nick Mullen's disposal should match up well with, with his strengths. I mean, if this was a, a downfield offense, you know, uh, one of the, you know, Eric Coriel type of offense from the 80s, I don't think it would uh, match up well. But um, he, uh, he does uh, well with that short intermediate stuff. Kyle Shanahan knows exactly... Uh, what his strengths and weaknesses are. So I'm anticipating a typical Shanahan game where he calls the game to basically address, you know, who's out, who's not playing. He did that a lot last year with the, when the tackles were out, and it worked wonders. So um, he, he's going to have to 
kind of summing up some of that magic on Sunday. Dennis, what are your recollections of of Nick Mullins and and what are you expecting against the Giants? Well, I I just think back to this last game uh, in particular against the the Jets and when he kind of came in. And I know he was coming off the bench, probably wasn't expecting to play. But the first couple series, it, it, it it was a little rough. And yeah. then he kind of, like you said, he kind of got into a rhythm. Him and Kendrick Bourne kind of found a little rhythm there. And there was a lot of, you know, passes that came out on time, down the middle. His strengths uh, that you pointed out. Now, I suspect that Kyle will try to game plan. You know, you got to win early on the first and second down so you don't get yourselves in these third and long. But uh, I think you'll see Jarek McKenna. I think he'll have a, a really good, I don't know if he can, if he's a three down back. We may see a little... Jeff Wilson, but I can see a, a lot of plays, misdirection, uh, mismatches on linebackers with Jarek McKinnon to get, you know, ahead of the sticks a little bit. You know, Kyle Shanahan, we know he's a fantastic game caller and he's, he's done a really good job of kind of fixing games or fixing games to kind of suit to the situation that he's in. So it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be a chess match. We're going to see how the Giants want to defend. I mean, if you're going to, you know, keep those linebackers in so you can't have those rhythm throws in the middle of the field and make them throw the perimeter, uh, you're going to see what the run game looks like and who's going to be that cowbell. I don't know if Jerry can play, you know, 30 or 40 snaps. See a lot of Jeff Wilson. So we'll see. Offensive line is, you know, it's still the question. Can you protect Nick Mullins? Because it seems like, you know, if he feels that pressure, you know, he's going to take that sack, that deep sack. So it's going to be interesting. I think, you know, he's capable. I think he understands the offense. He's been in the offense for a while. Uh, I think he's capable of doing it. And like David said, you have your backup quarterback. You need to win three or four games if you need to do it. So we're going to see. I think it's going to be a chess match to see kind of, you know, what the Giants are going to do, how they're going to try to defend Nick Mullins. And I can guarantee they're going to try to get after him. It's going to be a lot of exotic blitzes, get in his head, try to get some hits on him. Before we move on, we want to tell you to not miss exclusive, in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. Set up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. If you go to theathletic.com forward slash here's the catch, you can receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a month. Sports are back, and you won't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite teams. So go to theathletic.com forward slash here's the catch to receive an all-access subscription for just $1 a month. We hope to see you there. This 49ers offensive line needs to do a better job than it has, especially last week. Was not good last week. The metrics back that up. Everybody except for... Trent Williams on the left side and and the two centers so Ben Garland and Hronis Grasso they've you know played the the past two games it's going to be Garland again moving forward but the other three spots Mike McGlinchey Daniel Brunskill Lakin Tomlinson are all far below average in pass blocking efficiency when they're tallying up the pressures that those guys are allowing and I mean Garoppolo just got killed a few times out there last week and I think the most disappointing part for the 49ers is the pressure that's coming from the right side. Now, Garoppolo got hurt when Quinn and Williams really blasted through Lake and Tomlinson at left guard and hit him low. Shanahan wanted a flag for that. But the right side, when you watch the film, has really been a sieve. It, it, it hasn't been good for the 49ers. I understand that Daniel Brunskill is getting used to a new position at right guard. It's made tougher for him by the fact that center just to his left has, you know, been a revolving door. And I mean, he was one of the guys that uh, played center in training camp. So he probably hasn't been able to fully get up to speed at right guard the way that he would had he been focusing on it 
throughout all of August, but teams are going to be testing that right side because Trent Williams is on the left. So Mike McGlinchey, Daniel Brunskill, uh, those guys are going to be getting other teams' best shot, probably their, their best pass rusher, at least for a few snaps a game. And so far, they haven't handled it all too well. Now, Matt, the, the thing about Jimmy Garoppolo is he had such a fantastic performance in that first half last week, despite the fact that he was hobbled and despite the fact that he was getting so pressured from that right side. I, I'm not so sure that Nick Mullins would be able to reprise that without you know, slightly better, at least slightly better pass protection. Because if you look at this Giants team, they're not terrible defensively. They're, they're a bad team overall. It's been because they really can't move the ball too efficiently. But on defense through two weeks, uh, it, it's the number seven DVOA defense. So, I mean, th- that sample size is still small, but we have an indication that the Giants can play some defense. And I think any team in the NFL can punish a team that is not blocking well for its quarterback. So I think the 49ers need to shape up along the offensive line this week, especially since Nick Mullins is back there and not Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, and maybe that that game in uh, New York this this past week will be the wake-up call for that unit. And I agree with you. This could be a you know first team to 20 wins type of uh, situation because the, the Giants' offense, uh, we've just talked about it, they're, they're missing weapons, and they weren't all that good with those weapons. Daniel Jones, the quarterback, I'm reading off the, the stat sheet here. He's got a 74.1 passer rating, which is third worst in the NFL. Three interceptions, he's been sacked seven times, which is the third most uh, in, in the league. So even undermanned, you would think that the 49ers defense, and it'll be very interesting to see how Chris Cacera kind of uses his new pieces. Uh, Ziggy Ansah was signed uh, this week. They elevated Dion uh, Jordan from the uh, the practice squad. I doubt either of those guys starts. Um, I, I think they'll give Kerry Hyder the start at, at one defensive end, and Eric Armstead will be at the other. But uh, they're going to get worked in quite a bit, uh, you know, kind of thrown right into the fire. And, um, you know, how well those guys do. We, we talked about this a lot last year, how Demontre Moore came in and uh, really uh, very quickly made an impact with his snaps. Uh, forced to fumble in that big Cardinals game in, in December. Uh, the 49ers are going to need those types of, of games from these guys like Ansa and Deion Jordan, and they're going to need them for the duration of the season, 14 games instead of just a few games. Uh, so that's going to be interesting. Um, getting back to one of your earlier points, David, about right guard, it, I thought it was interesting that the rookie Colton McKivitz came in at the end at right guard um, I think they're they're trying to get McKivitz uh, some some snaps, and it was end of the game snaps in a, in a blowout, so there was really not a lot at, at risk at that time. But he's somebody that they're very high on, and he's somebody that was coming on strong at the end of of training camp. I'm not saying he's going to replace Daniel Brunskill, but uh, I think the the long term eyes. Uh, plans are for McKibbitts to have a fairly prominent role on this offense. Um, uh, the only question is when it comes and what position it comes at. But I, I would think that they're looking at him as uh, to be their, their right guard of the future if they can sign uh, Trent Williams as their left tackle of the future. But, uh, yeah, there's going to be some, you know, as Dennis says, it's going to be some very interesting chess moves, chess matches 
uh, in this upcoming game. Yeah, and we, you were just talking about that pass rush. And I, I'm curious to see when the 49ers get into that third down and, and we're so used to having that goal rush out there. I just wonder who's going to be out there. Is this an opportunity for is, is Ziggy going to be a guy that just comes in on third down? Deion Jordan, a guy that just comes in on each end and let Eric Armstead be in the middle? Or does Hyder stay outside and he try to you know become that outside presence? Uh, Javon Kinlaw, I think he's getting better. I watched him last week. I feel like he's getting better. He's he's one of those guys that just kind of needs the reps. All these defensive linemen, we're going to see them at some point in this game because, you know, I don't know if they brought, I know Deion Jordan came from the practice squad, but other than that, they're, they're, they're not so deep. They're not deep as far as, you know, your pass rushers, no. especially your outside pass rushers. So, you know, Armstead can play tackle and in. But other than that, everyone's either an in or an inside rusher. So it's going to be interesting to see when he comes third down uh, who's going to be out there and, and what position they're going to be in. I had some fun with that this week. I have to give credit to a Twitter follower because I had always been talking about the mix and match that you're talking about right now, Dennis, how the 49ers without Nick Bosa, without D Ford, without Ronald Blair – I mean, list just goes Solomon Thomas. List goes on and on and on. I mean, those those are first round picks that I'm talking about there, except for Ronald Blair. But th- that's a lot of talent that the 49ers lost really in one fell swoop in three plays. Right? Yeah, they lost two top right. three picks in a three play span. So uh, I was just talking about the mix and match, and so, you know, some fan responds, and he's like, "All right, so to to get back into playoff contention." We need to play defensive line Moneyball, and I thought that was—I thought that was perfect. You know, just Billy Bean, the Oakland A's, the Island of Misfit Toys. You got 49ers have a bunch of misfit toys, especially before Ziggy Anza and Dion Jordan joined the active roster here. They had what you said—they had a ton of interior guys, guys who were focused on the interior. I mean, even Kerry Hyder, who led the team in defensive line snaps with 52 this last week. He straight up said during training camp, uh, I came up as an interior guy. He played more snaps inside than outside for the Dallas Cowboys last year. So they had just a bunch of interior guys having to, to fill the spots at the edges. Now, it really helped and it will help moving forward that they have a star in Eric Armstead still healthy. And Eric Armstead can play anywhere. And, and obviously, uh, he plays more along the edge and, and he was really effective there. But as far as the rest of that stable, they're going to have to scrounge out as much efficiency as possible um i don't want to say the scrap heap uh but maybe i can say the scrap heap because ziggy ansa who was you know a great player two or three years ago was available up until now nobody else wanted to sign him and Dion jordan was also technically available he was on the 49ers practice squad so i mean they're getting two guys who are both top five picks in the 2013 draft by the way matt which is pretty cool and they're trying to get some retroactive value out of that 2013 draft seven years later and exactly what dennis said how they mix and match these new pieces with the existing inside ones it's going to be really fascinating because this is going to be one of chris kosarek's toughest coaching jobs yet i mean especially in the 49ers building because last year he just had you know just talent up the wazoo but this season he's gonna have to figure out a way to make it work yeah it's interesting that they lost the 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 two former first round picks thomas and and bosha within two plays of each other but the two guys that they elevated as you just noted are, are also first rounders former first rounders and um another former first rounder is d ford uh and he's not going to play on on sunday 
And, uh, you know, his, his future right now looks really kind of in, in limbo. He's got a back injury. No one seems to know what it is. They're, they're hoping that it just calms down and goes away. But this is a guy who's had back injuries since he was at Auburn, really. And uh, it, it's cost him a lot of games, and he had a major operation. Uh, I, I forget the name of it, but it was to his lower back, involved discs, uh, you know, serious stuff. So you, you kind of wonder about him, um, whether, you know, how soon he can get, get back, whether he can uh, return to form, because he didn't look right in the opening game. He just was not firing off the line of scrimmage like D. Ford usually does. And so you wonder if he's going to be out for a while, what what do the 49ers do? Do they have any more, uh, you know, tricks in their, in their hat? Uh, a lot of people have asked about Clay Matthews, and he would seem to be ideal for that Ford role, which is, you know, maybe you play 35, 40% of the snaps per year. They're all pass rush snaps, so you're not going to have to go into coverage. You're not going to have to do a lot of run game support. I was, uh, you know, I, I was under the impression that, you know, uh, Matthews was, was washed up. He was done. And I looked at his stats. He had eight sacks last year for the Rams. That would have, that yeah. would have been third, right behind Nick Bosa's nine uh, if he was on the 49ers last year. He's 34, definitely not a spring chicken. But that's not, for that role, um, that's sort of that, that Elvis Dumerville role that, that Elvis had a few years ago for this team. I mean, it's not a lot of wear and tear. You're coming in, not having to do training camp mid-season. I would think that that would be something that would be uh, tempting for Clay Matthews. Now, whether the money is there, I, I think that's that's a big question given the 49ers' salary cap restraints. But uh, Clay Matthews seems to be the the one guy that's uh, you know intriguing 49ers fans and uh, could be somebody that. They may have to look at later this year. You know, his his best years, of course, were with, with the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, he's more of an outside linebacker type of guy. Uh, I don't know if he can really play. You know, is he is he suited for 4-3 defense coming off the edge? or? But, you know, he's, he's a good player. But like you said, the age is there. I, I was thinking about Dakota Watson. I see he's actually still on the roster. I mean, he was a guy that, that played pretty well for the 49ers, just kind of rushing on the outside. He had a... He had a couple pretty big games. He popped off the, you know, off the film a little bit to me. Uh, he's still out there, but you know, you just kind of have to figure out. And, and the 49ers need to kind of, you know, make these T-shirts saying "The Next Man Up" because it's so true in their in their in their world. Because you know, you you're a second stringer, and you know now it, it, with the 49ers, you can become a first stringer. You know, week two, week three now. So you're you're a first stringer. You're running with the one. So. I think that's the attitude or the mentality that this team's had for at least the last couple of seasons. That it's it's the next man up, and they've they've usually, you know, kind of stood up, you know, for the uh, for the challenge. And I think this is going to be another time. And now we're talking about the defensive line. We haven't talked about the secondary. I mean, figure out what's going to happen in the secondary. But I think that's the attitude of these guys right now is next man up. You know, you're you're number one in the depth chart. What are you going to do? The football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. One more name to toss out there, Cam Wake, former All-Pro, Pro Bowler. He's 38 yeah. now, though, so you have to 
keep that in mind. He may play for Kasurik in Miami too, so there's a yeah, yeah, there's familiarity factor there. We have to remember that you know, think of Ziggy Anza as the player they're going to need to lean on more on multiple downs. And he, so he he really fills the Bosa role, or at least tries to fill the Bosa role. No, nobody's saying that he's going to fill it 100%. There's going to be a committee taking you know uh, some of those snaps at the very least. But you know Kyle Shanahan was saying, oh, Ziggy Anza is a good player. He's good against the run and the pass. I thought that was an important quote, really verifying that they want him on the field a little bit more. And then on the other side, I think for the time being, for this week, the 49ers are giving Deion Jordan his shot. I mean, that's what they brought Deion Jordan in to be. This, the, he's a light, speedy, twitchy edge rusher that comes in in passing situation. The guy is not built to play the run. Guys built to get after the quarterback on passing downs. And we thought that Deion Jordan was going to make the team before training camp started. Then he didn't have a good camp. So the 49ers only took nine instead of 10 defensive linemen. But they made sure to keep him in the building for situations like this. And now's his chance. Now he's going to come up because he is cut from that D Ford cloth. You know, he's he's lighter. He's speedier. He's going to come off that edge. Let's see what he can do this week. If that doesn't work out, I think they go to, you know, think about some of these other options. Clay Matthews, as Dennis pointed out, wouldn't be an exact scheme fit. But to Matt's point, he did get those eight sacks last year. I think he's terrible at everything else, especially at this age of his career. I don't think he could cover anybody. I don't think he could play the run. But that's why you just plug him in for that pure pass rusher role. So we'll we'll see what happens. Well, one thing I have to mention, Matt, I, I thought Kyle Shanahan brought up an interesting point today. He said, almost saying that the, the 49ers expected Deion Jordan to not have a great camp. He said, well, he hasn't had a camp since 2013 because of injuries and all the substance abuse issues and all this and all that. And he just had a labor through camp. But we think that since he labored through camp, He's going to look better on game day. They, they think he's one of these guys that's going to have another gear, and he's going to have to because what we saw in August wasn't going to cut it. So um, I, I just thought that was an interesting tidbit from Kyle Shanahan yeah. that Deion Jordan might be might look like a different player than he did a few weeks ago. And we saw that with Javon Kinlaw. Like Javon Kinlaw was laboring during a portion of training camp to the point where you're thinking, oh, my gosh, well, did they make a – disastrous pick here but you know a lot of it was because training camp was so short and so intense uh it took its toll and then you saw you know after they got into regular season mode his his legs recovered and he was a lot better in week one Uh, and maybe uh the 49ers are are seeing that uh with Deion jordan in practice And, and maybe that's the reason why they're they're not you know making any other sort of uh, edge moves at this point because uh, they do have confidence in Jordan. Uh, it, it, you're, you're right. He's it, going to be fun to watch because he's going to get those D Ford snaps in this game. Um, and it's going to depend on the score and everything else. It's, it's not going to be like the Cardinals game where D Ford played something like 55% of the snaps. It'll probably be more like 30% of the snaps, but they'll be crucial third down snaps. Uh, so um, these injuries are, are awful. You don't want to see them um, it's got everybody bummed out after a win, but there are some interesting things to watch. Dennis has been talking about it just uh, in, in terms of the strategy and how 
the 49ers proceed from here. Yeah, and you know, you look at you look at that game and I know it was the the Jets and not a very good team, but I felt like the 49ers ran the ball really well. You know, even though with the mismatch or the uh the patchwork, I mean, with the offensive line, especially in the interior, I, I really felt like they ran the ball well. Uh and I think that's something that they can they can kind of build on. I think these are the games, especially against the Giants, you establish that run game, you know, then the pressure's not on a Nick Mullins and, and he can kind of do these timing. Uh, him and Kendrick Bourne can hook up, him and Jordan Reed. I just think, you know, you lean on that run game, that's that stretch play. You get these get the, the defense tired, have them run into the sidelines and then a lot of cutback stuff and let Jarek McKinnon do, do what he do what he does well and that's getting the space with the ball in his hands and I think the 49ers will be all right. Again, this is a good game because the Giants aren't very good. We're not giving them much credit. I'm sure they're going to show up uh, and play a great their best game against the 49ers, but they're not a, on paper or, or what they've shown the last couple of weeks. They're not a very good team and this is the time to kind of you know, be creative. See what you have moving forward, especially on you know your defensive line. Who who can you get in there? Who can you expect to play? You know, who who looks good out there? I think this is a good ch- chance to do it against the Giants. And I don't know what the line is, but I'm sure the 49ers are favorite. But uh, in my mind, at least. But I think again, this is going to be a good game to kind of see where you are moving forward, and then. You know, if things don't work out, if, if Ziggy's not the guy you thought he was, if Jordan Reed's not going to be the guy, then you can kind of figure out what you're going to do. But I think this is a good week to kind of see what you have. Well, they may have a couple weeks like that, but then it's going to get really hard after that because they play the Eagles who have just been putrid. I mean, absolutely terrible. Carson Wentz has been the worst quarterback in the league by by a mile. I mean, it's just been ugly to watch him play and he's getting blasted by the media in Philadelphia. So if the Eagles don't turn things around, then the week after the 49ers are going to be playing a game against a really futile team. And then after that, Miami, we all know how bad they were last year. Only direction for them is up. But the point is between the Giants, the Eagles, and the Dolphins, the 49ers have three games coming up here that are very, very winnable, even with a depleted roster to the point where If I had to handicap these three games, I actually think that this next one is the toughest for the 49ers. It's the only one that's on the road. It's at a stadium they hate, so it doesn't matter if there's fans or not. They they don't like MetLife uh, MetLife Field for for obvious reasons. And uh, the Giants play some decent defense, as I said. Maybe that will regress to the mean this week. Maybe it won't, but uh, the point is the 49ers aren't you know, blocking well up front and they're playing their back in all likelihood. They're going to be playing their backup quarterbacks. So it, when I go to a prediction here, guys, I, I don't think the 49ers are going to score all too many points. I think that they do win this one because I do think they have enough defensively and the giants are bad offensively uh, to squeak it out, but it's going to be 20 to 17. I, I don't think they yeah. score over 20 in this game. That's my prediction. How about you, Matt? Yeah, I was going to go 23, 20, um, another sort of tight, low scoring game, maybe, Robbie Gold uh, wins it at, at the end. Uh, the 49ers generally do well on the second leg of these kind of uh, East Coast sojourns. I think they've only lost one since 2011, and that was that uh, odd year where they went to Miami and uh, Colin Kaepernick uh, had the Fidel Castro comment and all of South Florida was up in arms, and it was just a really an emotionally uh, wrenching game for the 49ers. And then the next... A game they they uh, they actually practiced in uh, Orlando, 
and it was hot. It was like 85 degrees and humid. And then they played the following game in Chicago, and it was and it was snowing. Yeah, not very so well So the sequence out. was uh, it was the <laughs> toughest sequence that they've had. Uh, this one is much easier. Um, their body clock should be uh, adjusted by now. So um, there are some things going for them in this game. I, st- I still think, despite all their their slew of injuries, they're the more talented team. So. Uh, 23-20 for me. Dennis, what, what are you thinking? I think this team rallies. I think Kyle Shanahan is, is a great motivator. I think these guys believe you know, in the philosophy, the, the culture of this team. I, I, I think George Kittle comes back. I think Nick Mullins plays well. Uh, I don't. I don't think he has a Pro Bowl game, but I think he he manages this offense. I see maybe even 27 points. 27-17 is going to be my prediction. I just think I think George Kittle gets back. The energy's back. I think the defense figures itself out. They'll have some some tough drives. I'm going to say 27-17. Well, it's going to be interesting. It really is because we're going to get to see we're going to get to see some new players out there for the 49ers, and maybe we'll see some guys on the mend. You know, we haven't even talked about Jason Verrett, but but maybe he has some action. Who knows? Yeah, I would love to see him, see what he can do. I'm excited to see him. I think he just helps out so much. He takes his, this uh, the second in, secondary into a different level, but he's got to be healthy. Yeah, exactly. And, and he needs to get that confidence back. And you mentioned yeah. this being a confidence-building opportunity. Your defense is only as good as its worst cornerback. We saw that in the playoffs last year when they had a bench Akella Witherspoon, and then that turned everything around. And hey, now Emmanuel Mosley struggling about this year. I know I mentioned this in previous episodes. If Jason Verrett is healthy and he's playing as confident as he did during camp, look out. 49ers may want to pair him with Richard Sherman, but that's a discussion for another time. We'll talk to you guys after the game on Sunday to see what's next for the 49ers as they move through week three. For Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. Make sure to check us out next time on the Here's the Catch podcast. 